understand what our world is facing, but, but I'll tell you what our world needs. Our world needs revival. And that comes from God, and that comes from the church. And we're so thankful today to have with us brother and sister Chris Green and their son Levi. Can we give them a great big hand clap of appreciation for being here today? We've been wanting to have Brother Green and Sister Green to come for a long time, and it, it worked out. They are in demand all across the world preaching the gospel. And it worked out that they could come this week. When we set it in the calendar, we had no idea the circumstances that we would be involved with at that time. But God knew. I love it, I love it when God sets the date. And God says, I want them to be here on this date. And so on this day, God is going to begin something very special. Brother Green, would you come? We're so thankful for this mighty man of God who's going to bring the word of God to us. We're thankful that he is here. You're preaching to two congregations, but one church. We're thankful that you're here. Bless you. Bless you, Brother Green. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. What does it sound like when you do it for him? The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah! Oh, yes! What a mighty God we serve. That old song says, angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. And what a joy it is to be with all of you today. So they told me since I'm preaching to two churches, I've got two hours. So I'm pretty excited about that. If anybody here knows I'm long-winded outside of my wife, it's Brother Graves. Brother Graves and I are very close friends. He has a very near and dear place in my heart from Oregon. God has used this man for many years to bring unity as the shepherd of a district to bring unity amongst the brethren of the district of Oregon. And because of the ministry of this man, there is revival happening in Oregon. If you don't know, a lot of you, a lot of you don't know where Oregon is. I didn't know where Oregon was either until I met a beautiful girl from Oregon. I met her in St. Louis. But in case you didn't know, that's where Portland is, where they had over 100-plus days of consecutive riots, and the homicide rate was up 1,600%. But in the midst of all of that, people are receiving the Holy Ghost, being baptized in Jesus' name. Love you, Brother Graves. Brother Johnson, good to see you. Thank you, Brother Urshan. I give honor to Brother Sizemore. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. I want to read just one sentence from the Bible to you. How am I going to preach two hours from one sentence? Just one sentence, and it's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. I feel like I have a word for this hour. Amen. For this day. For this church, this body, Hebrews chapter 12, looking forward to our revival together and looking forward to some skyline chili. Amen. I'm not fasting this week in case you're wondering. 
I did that before I got here. Because I want some of that skyline chili. Because the Lord is good. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Same sentence, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Now, notice what it says. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Sounds like an oxymoron that it was a joy for him to endure the cross. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a sentence. And I want to narrow your attention today on verse 2 where it says, looking unto Jesus. And I want to preach to you today, looking unto Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, what are you looking at? <laughs> what are you looking at? In middle school, in middle school, if a, if, a, if a critic or a bully said, what are you looking at? The response was always, not much. But if you're looking at Jesus today, you're looking at a whole lot. The author and the finisher, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How many of you have stayed your eyes upon the Lord? Would you just one more time clap your hands and just build an atmosphere of faith and praise in the house of the Lord? Oh, I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, mighty God, for you are good and your mercy endureth forever. And everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated in Jesus' name. If, if you got any more monitor for me, help me out as best as you can. Amen. Thank you. Looking unto Jesus. I feel like it's been a spiritual challenge recently of the Lord to examine my spiritual perception, to ask the simple question, what am I looking at? What am I looking at? When you were born into this world, you were born into a carnal kingdom, the kingdom of flesh. You were born into a worldly kingdom. Your first birth brought you into a dimension that is defined by the five senses. We see and we smell and we taste and we hear and we touch. You were born into a kingdom that is defined and determined by measurements. We won't get into all those measurements today. Some measurements I just don't want to get into. They say that wearing a suit hides a multitude of sins, you know. <laughs> but there's also a statement that has become the truth. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. I honor you. Thank you for that. I got a loud monitor and some water. I'm ready to preach those two hours right now. The dimension that we were born into, into this life, is determined by certain measurements and because of that, 
we have a statement that your perception is your reality. Your perception is your reality. And to some degree, this is true. In the life of the first birth, this is true. Your perception is your reality. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I'm not six foot three. I'm 33 years old, and I'm not as athletic as I used to be. And The perception of my stature does bring about the reality that I cannot dunk a basketball. You thought I was going to preach deep today. It is true that this perception of my height has brought the reality of certain things that I just cannot do. But when you were born again, Jesus said, if you want to enter into my kingdom, you must be born again. Nicodemus asked him, how could a man be born again when he is old? How can I enter again a second time into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus said, how could you marvel at this? He said, if you want to get into my house, you've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. How many of you know that you have been born again of the water and of the spirit? For those of you that have been born again of the water and of the spirit, you know that no longer does your physical perception determine your spiritual reality. For those of you that have yet to be born again of the water and of the Spirit, this is your day. If you've never been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, this is your day. You don't have to leave here carrying that burden anymore. You don't have to leave here walking in darkness anymore. You don't have to leave here a slave to sin anymore. You can have those chains of addiction broken by the name of Jesus. You can have those chains of depression destroyed by the blood of the Lamb this day. When you are born again, you are born into a spiritual kingdom. You are born again into a heavenly dimension where no longer does your physical perception determine your spiritual reality. What are you seeing in the physical that will not stop you in the spiritual? In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says we are compassed. We are surrounded about. Help me out with these scriptures on the screen. We are surrounded about with a great cloud of witnesses. These witnesses that this writer is speaking about, he he has already given a brief synopsis and biography of them in the previous chapter. The the chapter of faith that that gives us the biography of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He says, we are surrounded about by these great cloud of witnesses. 
He's already talked about them letting us know that by faith, uh, these heroes of faith, uh, they overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. Uh, they shut the mouth of lions and they quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Uh, their weakness was turned into strength. Uh, they became strong in battle uh, and put whole armies to flight. Uh, others were tortured, uh, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Uh, they Place their hope in a better life. After the resurrection, some of them were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some of these heroes of faith that surround us today, uh, they went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, uh, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Uh, they were too good for this world, uh, wandering over deserts and mountains, uh, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Uh, all of these people earned a good reputation uh, because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. This is the cloud that surrounds us. This is what consists in the cloud that compasses us today. People that did not allow their physical perception to become their spiritual reality. You're going to saw me in half? He's still my Jehovah Jireh. You're going to kill my family? He's still my great deliverer. You're going to kill me? He's still my heal. I wish I was preaching to somebody that you may not have received the answer you wanted, but you still got faith to know he is my Jehovah Jireh. Whether he gives or takes, whether he puts in or takes out, he is my king, my joy, my salvation. That's why the prophet David could say, he is my shepherd. Even when he leads me in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to walk away because he took me somewhere I didn't want to go. He's still my shepherd. He's still my rod. He's still my comfort. He said, we are compassed about by these heroes of faith, so let us. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily. Everybody say beset. Probably the first time you ever said that word. So I had to look it up. What does beset mean? It means to afflict. One of the synonyms of beset is a word I've never used before, never even knew was a word. And the word, the synonym of beset is bedevil. B E devil I don't know about you but I don't want to be devil you want to be devil not me he said let us lay aside every weight every sin that has bedeviled us any devil's been in your home recently any, been, any devil's been coming against your marriage recently 
Any devil's been coming against your children recently? He said, then let us lay aside everything. Don't just look in the scripture and try to find, uh, is it a heaven or hell issue? No. Uh, what I want you to do uh, is get rid of everything uh, that has opened the door for Satan to afflict you, for Satan to beset you, uh, for Satan to distract you. He said, it's time to get rid of everything and look unto Jesus. To afflict, to bedevil, to torment, to oppose. Am I preaching to somebody? Is Oxford preaching to somebody? That's the dictionary. Oxford, is he preaching to anybody right now? To oppose, to conflict, to attack, to trouble, to worry, to bother, to harass. Has anybody been besetted? Preaching about 15%, and I'm gonna go after that 15% right now. I don't know about you, but I've gone through a besetting year, a besetting 18 months. I've gone through some darkness. In fact, my wife and I have gone through the darkest days of our lives that I wish upon no one to ever go through. We ended last year by burying our daughter. And I'm going to tell you what, there was a besetting moment. There was a moment where the enemy said, I'm going to steal, I'm going to kill, and I'm going to destroy. In John 10, Jesus said, the thief has come. We don't need to lie. We don't need to sugarcoat. We don't need to beat around the bush. Jesus said, the thief has come. He's here. He's come. We don't need to try to put a facade up and act like everything's all right. The devil doesn't know my address. He's never been around my family. We need to get right to the truth and say, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the gospel, the good news is, that's not the whole truth. The whole truth is, but I have come. I said the thief has come, but he has come. I have come that you might have life and life more. Stop looking at what the enemy has stolen and look at what Jesus has provided. See, it's so easy, Pastor. It's so easy to look at what the, the thief has stolen and not what Jesus has given. It's so easy to look at what the thief has killed and what not what Jesus has instead of what Jesus has resurrected it's so easy to look at what the thief has destroyed and not what Jesus has delivered i buried my daughter but she's in heaven now he didn't heal when I asked him to heal, but he pulled me out of darkness and put me in his marvelous light. He didn't give me the answer I was looking, but Jesus. You know what Jesus said to Thomas? Thomas said, how can we know the way? Jesus said, look at me, Bubba, for I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. How do I know the way through my valley? Look at me. How do I know the way out of my storm? Look at me. If I could sing like Brother Urshan, I'd sing that old song. Look what the Lord has done. 
Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Am I preaching to anybody that can sing that song with me? I'm going to praise his name. Each day is just the same. Come, let us praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, clap your hands, clap your hands, clap your hands. Lift up your voice, lift up your spirit unto God. Look at what the look look at what the writer says. He says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They didn't allow their physical perception to become their spiritual reality. So let's run this race. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Keep on running, baby." Keep on running, baby. Keep on. I've come this far by faith. I've seen too much to go back now. Jesus looked at his disciples in John 6 and said, Will you also go away? And Peter said, I've come too far to go back now. I'm going to keep on running. Who else can I go to? I'm looking at Jesus. The author said, Let's run this race looking unto Jesus. never seen anybody backslide looking at Jesus. I've never seen anybody get off their way looking at Jesus. But I have heard of a man that walked on water who be, he didn't sink, he began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. What was it that held Peter on top of that water? Was it his feet that stood him on the water? Was it his legs that walked him on the water? It was his eyes that stood him on that water. In the middle of the night, three or four in the morning, it wasn't just dark. It was in the storm. And Jesus said, if you want to come with me, you got to be willing to get, get in the darkness. <laughs> if you want to walk with the light, you got to be willing to walk through the darkness and keep your eyes on me. Looking unto Jesus. Watch what it says. The what? The next verse. The, the author and the finisher. Aren't you glad that he didn't just start your story? The author and the finisher. Aren't you glad that he didn't just give you a word? Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, he said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In other words, Jesus said, I am everything you need. I am everything you need. 
I started you, and I'm going to finish it. Satan is not going to put the final period on your story. I know your daughter might be backslidden now, but look back to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Satan's not going to finish your daughter's life. Addiction's not going to finish your family's life. you got to look at Jesus, the author, the finisher. The Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, the Beginning, and the End. Look unto Jesus. <laughs> Preaching in this area makes me think of what happened last year. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice for some reason today. Uh Makes me think of what happened last year here in Ohio. I have a picture, but I didn't get their permission, seeing as I'm not too far from where th this happened. I, I'm not going to put the picture up, but as I was sitting here watching this beautiful baby dedication, man, I was thinking how blessed we are, how blessed this child is doesn't even know, which, you know, kids never know. They never say thank you until it's too late. Or they never appreciate until you're on your deathbed as the parent. And they say, you know, you were right. <laughs> and we love them anyways. <laughs> and that little girl, she, she has no sense of this great cloud of witnesses with her. And as I'm sitting here, I didn't have some sort of out-of-body experience, but I couldn't help but just sort of look up and think, who's looking down here from heaven, looking at this dedication? And I thought, man, Jesus really loves this moment. I, I just got a sense that Jesus was smiling in that moment. Jesus really loves this, that we're dedicating a child, saying this, is, this belongs to you, Jesus. I thought how precious a moment that is. I thought Jesus really loves this little girl. To give her a family like this, a heritage like this. And then immediately my memory went to two girls that didn't have family here in Ohio. They were abandoned. I was preaching at a church. And I we had people receive the Holy Ghost and, and uh, in the altar that day. And I was... I prayed for just about everybody I could, and it was time to leave, and I grabbed my stuff, and I'm walking off like this, and the pastor grabs me and says, hey, there's two young girls right here, first-time visitors, teenage girls, can you go pray with them? I said, sure, put my stuff down, and as I started down the platform, I could see, I don't know if it was discernment or it was just common sense, but you could see the pain and the anguish and the abandonment, the loneliness, the depression upon them. I could see the fear and the loneliness in their eyes. As I got closer, there was something else that I sensed. It was hunger. They were hungry. And you could tell, you know, they had been through it. And I got up to close to them. And, you know, I had prepared, okay, I'm going to you know, ask them their name. And I'm going to talk to them. And I'm going to ask them if they've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pray with them repentance. And I'm going to lay my hands upon them. And they're going to receive the Holy Before I could even get to step one, both of them were already receiving the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And I just let them pray. Church was over. 
and I just let them receive the Holy Ghost, getting intoxicated by the Spirit of God. And, and somebody invited them to be baptized that day, and they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And I had told them before they went up to the bad ministry, I said, I want to talk to you when you're done. So they came out of the baptistry. They got changed and dressed and all that. And I was sitting on the front pew. I said, get over here. And they were 16 and 17 years old. And I said, sit down right here and tell me your testimony. They said, what testimony? I said, the story that used to be a shame and embarrassment and a reproach on you, it's now a testimony. God just turned it into a testimony. I said, tell me. I said, tell me the testimony. The first girl told me, she said, well, we're foster sisters. Just moved into the foster home this week. She said, we're sisters. She said, I committed suicide two weeks ago. The ambulance got there in time to resuscitate my body and send me to the hospital. She said, 10 days later, they called my mom. And they said, you can come pick up your daughter. And my mom said, I don't want anything to do with her. You can have her. The sheriff of the county came and picked her up and took her to that foster home. The next girl said, yeah, about several months ago, she said, uh, maybe three months ago, she said, my father was put in prison for life for murder. And the day he was put in prison, my mother abandoned my brother and I. Didn't tell us bye, didn't hug us, didn't write a note. We sat there at home for a few days thinking, well, she, she just needs a vacation. She just needs a break, you know. You know, she just needs to get some drugs or something and she'll be back. A, a few days goes by, doesn't come back, doesn't call. Several days more, a couple weeks goes by and she doesn't come back. And that's when reality began to set in. That's when the, their perception became their reality. Mama's not coming. She said, I walked in one morning to wake up my brother, 16 years old, into his room, and he had killed himself, committed suicide. She said, I've been in seven different foster homes because they had put me in one and I would run away. They'd put me in another and I'd run away. They'd put me in another and I'd run away. She said, but this week they put me in this foster home and this is my sister now. I said, well, how, how'd y'all get to church? Does your mom go to this church, your foster mom? She said, no, that's what's crazy. She said, our mama don't go to church. Our foster mom don't go to church. She said, but she woke up this morning, turned our bedroom light on and said, girls, get up. Get dressed. So they said, what's going on? She said, get dressed. We're going to go find Jesus. We're going to go find Jesus. Now we're going to go find religion. Now we're going to go find the best preacher. Now we're going to go find the best building. We're going to go find Jesus. They got in the car, and they said, what church are we going to? You don't even go to church. She said, I don't know what church we're going to go to, but let's pray, and Jesus will send us to the right church. They showed up at that church, and when they, they came down to the altar, not knowing anything, not knowing the Bible, not knowing the songs, but they knew Jesus that day. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. That From the children that are dedicated at just six weeks old to the children that have been abandoned and abused. Jesus loves every child. Jesus wants to save every child. Jesus has salvation for every child. Jesus has an answer for every child.
I feel the Holy Ghost. You may not have been dedicated at two months old. You may not have a heritage behind you praying for you. But you got a great cloud of witnesses saying, if I can do it, you can do it. Jesus wants to bring you out. He wants to turn you around. God wants to save somebody today. You can stand if you feel to do so. Does somebody lift up your hands for a moment? Let me show you what the Lord has shown me for this hour, okay? Just, just stay standing so I won't preach much longer. Jesus is preaching about the end times, the last days that we're in right now. I'll go as far as to say that what he was talking about in this chapter, he knew he was talking about us in 2021. He begins to tell the believers and the disciples in Luke 21, 25, he says there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars upon the earth, distress of nations. We've never really been in a moment like we're in right now. He says distress of nations with perplexity, confusion, uncertainty. The sea and the waves roaring. Watch this, verse 26. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Watch this. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Did you see what he said? He said, people's hearts in the last days will fail them of fear. Why? Because they will be looking at the things happening in the world. Instead of looking at me. There's probably nobody guilty here other than me, but I'm guilty of feeling. See, when you study what is the heart, it's our emotional capacity. And I have felt, Brother Urshan, I don't have any more emotion, emotional capacity left. I don't have any more grief. I don't have any more tears. I don't have any more sorrow. I feel lethargic. I feel apathetic. I feel dead in my spirit. I feel, I don't know what, I feel numb. I have no more emotional capacity. My heart is failing me because I'm looking at the things happening on the earth instead of the things coming from heaven. <laughs> How many of you have felt like there's been some sort of invisible weight on the back of your head? <laughs> Weight on your shoulders. People have died. People have backslidden. People have walked away. And not only that, not only things that's happening within our little circle, but there's never been a day that I can pick up my phone and in 2.3 seconds I can tell you what's happening on the earth in China, 
in, in the Philippines, in Europe. I can tell you what's happening in Australia, and it's becoming addicting. It's so addicting. They know how to keep your attention. They know how to keep your eyes planted on what's happening on the earth. It is a weapon of Satan to keep your eyes off of him and on. Uh, you see, if the church isn't careful, man, I shouldn't say this on a Sunday morning. But if the church isn't careful, we'll know when the Antichrist is coming, but miss when Jesus Christ comes. Is this the Antichrist? Is this the mark of the beast? Is this the end times? Is this Armageddon? Is this our demise? I don't know, but I want to look at Jesus because I... Is there anybody that wants to shake that weight off of your head? Look what he said. He said, your hearts will fail you because you'll be looking at the things happening on the earth. And in verse 27, he says, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Verse 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, look up, look up, look up, and lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing nigh. I want everybody under the sound of my voice. Uh, I want you to lift up your hands as high as you can. But I want you to lift up your head as high as you can right now. Come on, lift up that head as high as you can. Jesus said, look up. Get that weight off of your back. Get that burden off your mind. Get that anxiety off your soul. And look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of your faith. As your hands and your head is lifted, I want you to begin to lift up your voice. I'm in darkness. Look up. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light. Get out of my way, devil. I'm going to look unto Jesus. I'm not looking at you no more. I'm not looking at fear no more. I'm not looking at what could be no more. I'm going to look at Jesus. Notice what Jesus said. He said, look up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption is coming to you. What is your redemption? It's the thing he purchased for you. It's the thing you don't deserve, and neither do I. And no matter what I did, I would never deserve it. There's a spirit of condemnation in this place that says, yeah, but you don't know what I've done in my darkness. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus said your redemption, not your wage, not your salary, your rede- the gift that I purchased for you. You cannot pray your way into earning the Holy Ghost. You cannot fast your way into earning his salvation. You cannot pray your way into some sort of realm of anointing where he finally says, now you're good enough. He said, it's been redeemed. You should have gone to prison, but I went for you. You should have paid the death penalty, but I paid it for you. Why are you allowing the fear of death to rule your life? Why are you allowing the fear of imprisonment and anxiety and depression? I paid the price. I put my foot on it. I took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Is there any apostolic that wants to say, I want my joy back? I want my peace back. I want my calling back. I want my ministry back. I want my anointing back. I want my family back. Devil, I let you fool me long enough. You cannot steal what God purchased for me. I feel a divine refreshing in the Holy Ghost about to erupt in this place. This is going to sound, this is going to sound, this is going to be too juvenile for a church like this. But as I'm standing right here, the Lord just gave me a little vision. I've never said this, never seen this. I should be teaching this at the kids' service. But as I'm just standing here praying, (laughs) this is weird. I'm crazy. Get ready. I'm sorry. I'm weird. As I'm praying right here, I could see somebody bending down to take a drink out of a water fountain, pushing the button right here. Just You ever had to do that? Hadn't done it in two years probably because of COVID. I don't know. But have you ever taken a sip out of a water fountain? It, I hate it. It's usually, it usually, you know, you can't, it's just barely dribbling out. Or you push it and it's like right in the face. And then you're bending over like this, drinking from the same water spout that five million people just drink out of. And your mouth is like this and you're like a dog trying to lap the water out. You know why it's so hard? Because your head is down trying to drink out of this water. I can't get it. <laughs> can't get enough and then I saw that same person just lift up their head like this and here comes the rain all that person had to do was just position themselves and open their mouth I'm ready rain I'm ready Holy Spirit 
I'm looking up. I'm lifting up my head. I'm not going to walk around like this no more. I'm not going to think that all I can get is just a little dribble. I'm ready to lift up my head. This is what we're going to do. Everybody close your eyes right now. I'm going to do this quick. But if you know the Lord is ministering to you right now, if you know the Lord is ministering to you specifically right now, and you personally want an outpouring, a refreshing, a restoration of God's Spirit, there are no ulterior motives. There are no hidden agendas. There's no expectations, no prejudice of who you might be because you want an outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, it doesn't mean you're lost and backslidden, ready for hell. It just means I want a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. If you know the Lord is ministering to you right now for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit, I just want you to lift up a hand right now. Every eye is closed. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. I think every hand is up in this place. Brother Urshan, will you join me? Can you get a few guys at least to join me? If you lifted your hand, you may open your eyes. If you lifted your hand, if you lifted your hand, I want you to press in as close as you can to this altar right now. Step out of your seat and come out right now. From the balcony, if you want to come down or if you want to press up towards the front. But if you lifted your hand, I saw 99% of this church lifting their hands. I want you to press in as close as you can right now. Come on, press in. Press in. Press in. This is what we're going to do. Everybody listen. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready. I want everybody, I want everybody to stop praying right now and just listen. You're ready. So this is what I want you to do. Again, I want you to lift up your hands. Don't pray. Don't use your voice. Just hands lifted. And this is what I'm challenging you to do right now in your, in your mind, in your spirit. As your hands are lifted, I want you to envision what you're doing, the expression, the positioning of your spirit. What you're doing when your hands are lifted is you're saying, first of all, I surrender who I am. I'm not holding on. I've surrendered control. But the second expression of faith is this. I have expectation to receive something from my everlasting heavenly father. That's why my hands are lifted. I'm not going to put my head down, my hands down, until I surrender myself and I receive something from you. Lord, in the same way, in the same sense, you are cleaning me out through my surrender. 
then filling me up through my faith. My hands are lifted because it is an expression of victory, expectation, boldness, and confidence. And all of those things are because of you. I'm looking at you. As your hands are lifted, I want you to position your head up. Lift up your head right now. You say, I might get a crick in my neck. I'd rather have a crick in my neck from looking up than a pain in my back from bowing down. I'm going to lift up my head. This is what we're going to do together because Jesus said we're two or three are gathered together in my name. In my name, he said, I'm there in the midst of them. I'm there in the midst of them. I'm there in the midst of them. I prophesy right now in the name of Jesus that in the next few seconds, God is about to open up the floodgates of heaven. And he is literally going to rain down his spirit in this place like fire from heaven. And when you begin to shout, nobody is just going to pray, but we're going to shout, praising and worshiping God. When you hear me shout, hallelujah, that is your cue to begin shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. The very instant you begin to shout unto God, praising and worshiping his name, looking unto Jesus, his spirit is going to fall upon you individually conglomerately in this place all over this room all over this house the anointing of God's spirit is about to fall I have these leaders behind me because they're simply going to help me pray this prayer of faith God is going to use our leadership as the vessel of authority to pour out the power of the name of Jesus and when we shout hallelujah expect the outpouring to fall upon you every hand is lifted every head is lifted now I want you to close your eyes and with your eyes of faith you're looking unto Jesus right now You're getting ready to praise him as loud as you can. By the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus, God, pour out your spirit upon all flesh in this house with speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now. 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 Lift up your voice and praise him. Speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gives the utterance.